have is from Marissa. So Marissa is joining us. She is the founder at Marissa Pick Consulting. She is a digital marketing strategist and a speaker. Uh, she's going to speak about the authority, impact, and the future of influencer marketing in B2B. Over to you, Marissa. Perfect. Thank you so much. I'm going to go ahead and share my presentation. I'm so excited to be here today. Happy to have you, Marissa. Thank you. All right, let's kick it off. So I'm here to talk about authority, impact, and the future of influencer marketing, specifically within B2B for this upcoming year and beyond. I uh, just wanted to do a brief introduction. If you guys want to learn more about me, you can visit um, me online. I'm constantly on Twitter. I'm better there than on email. Um, I speak quite a bit within influencer marketing B2B, and I've done quite a bit of influencer marketing in the last two years within my own consultancy. And prior to that, I was in financial services for over 10 years, where we did quite a bit of this as well. And I'll show you a brief case study. So I'll track right on. I just want to give you guys a definition of what influencer marketing is. Uh, so what it is by definition is identifying and building relationships with individuals who have influence over our target audience buyers. So for B2B, we wanna make sure we're using the right people within the marketing campaigns and we're approaching this correctly. There are two kinds of influencers. There are micro influencers and macro influencers. So micro is someone like you're paying, they're a big celebrity, whereas Macro is someone that's smaller, maybe an advocate of the brand already that's already tapped in. Um, so for many of you, I'm not sure what your budgets look like for this year, but a lot of times leveraging that macro influencer is the easiest way to get started with an influencer marketing. Uh, for some of the lucky ones, maybe you're able to bring in some talent and do some paid campaigns, but I'll get into more of that. So why does this matter for us? Why are we even talking about influencer marketing? So as all of these new platforms have emerged within social channels over the last couple of years, there's been a new generation of influencers that have now large followings on very niche and very specific subject matters. Um, you know, even like thinking about TikTok and how that's blown up in the middle of, you know, the coronavirus crisis, it's it's really interesting to see how these behaviors have changed. Um, this is a mind-blowing stat for those of you that know who PewDiePie is. Um, he gets an average salary of $12 million per year, which is an hourly rate of $3,400 an hour. So he is just on YouTube talking quite a bit. It is mind-blowing. And there's an estimate that Kim Kardashian, I think it's $500,000 for Instagram posts. So really interesting to see you know, how these influencers have emerged within more of a consumer focus. Um, but love it or hate it, influencer marketing does work. So this has now become a $10 billion industry. I remember thinking about this five years ago as this all started to work, um, you know, how we would measure it, how we would bring it in. I'm gonna get into all that. Um, but businesses are making $6.50 for every dollar that they're investing. So we'll get into that with some measurement in a couple of minutes. And customers that are acquired through word of mouth have 37% higher retention rate, and that's from Deloitte. So it's really interesting. The stats are showing this. this does work. Um, you know, I think measuring it is something that's really important. If we think about influencer marketing, it's using people, brands, and, you know, thinking about brand awareness as a baseline for what you're doing. You want to make sure that whatever influencer marketing campaign that you bring in is elevating your brand. Um, consumers really want authenticity. They do not want advertisements and they really do respond. I know I've been listening to a lot of the sessions today and people really are very quick to judge. I think we have a seven second attention span, which is less than a goldfish now, which has an eight second attention span. So people want authentic messaging from your brand. 
So as you build your influencer marketing program, just be cognizant of that. And shoppers, you know, on the consumer focus side, they really trust recommendations from a third party or a friend more than a brand. So people are going on, they're searching you. Um, they want to see what people are saying about the brand. So making sure that you have influencers that are helping leverage you is very important. Word of mouth is generating two times the sales of paid advertising. I mentioned that in the last slide, but it's really interesting that people respond to what other people are saying. I think influencer marketing has a really nice lift here. Um, when people are partnering with the right influencers and brands do this well, you can instantly see a lift um, when the back end of your website. And I think this is really important just to truly stand out in 2020, this year and beyond, B2B influencer marketing programs, you really have to have that experience. So influencer-driven content from audio to visual to interactive, it really has to inspire someone to do something. I don't think it's long, it's not enough to just look and say, okay, uh, you know, Kim Kardashian says I should buy something. We're really educated now. We wanna make sure, especially on the B2B side, that it's giving us something, it's making us feel involved. So when it's experiential and it's, Influential, I think it is a win-win for everybody involved. So what's the bottom line is that this is one of the fastest growing things that we're talking about in marketing and definitely one of the most cost-effective methods. Um, I think one of the best places to start is with your exi existing audiences and or your employees. I think it's really nice to take your employee advocacy and leverage that as influencers to show the stories, the behind the scenes look um, and have them be kind of the frontline or test of what you're doing. So just four quick rules of influencer marketing. Popularity does not equal influence. So let's say my brand is selling something and I bring in, I don't know, uh, I was just thinking Kim Kardashian, she's bringing it in. She is not going to translate likely to what many of us are working on a day-to-day -day basis. So make sure that you have somebody that's relevant and speaking to the right audience. Um, to be influential, a person has to have a authority. People need to be listening and respectful of this person, and they have to be able to drive some kind of reaction. Um, to be influential, a person has to be actively writing about the right topic that matters to your audience. So we talked about niche audiences and social media channels. So it's really important that you're, you know, finding the right person and leveraging them. And I'd say the most important thing is that they're driving action. So whatever it is that your goals are going into this campaign by bringing them on, you want them to have a reaction and you want to be able to see a lift from your brand in terms of your influencer marketing program. So just a couple of metric points I think that are really important to consider. So relevance, how relevant is the person that you're bringing on to work with you? So are you tracking their keyword mentions? Are you bringing them on to produce three pieces of content? How consistent is that content? So residents, making sure that you have the influencer doing the right thing. So if they are posting content? Do you have UTM codes that you're tracking that can show in Google Analytics a lift from what they're doing and be able to bring that to your boss and show the ROI? Reach, definitely followers, fans, subscribers. You want to make sure you have somebody that has a decent sized following for the right audience. Um, and then audience, in terms of their social engagement size, you want to make sure that the audience size is right and that they're able to touch the right people with the right content at the right point. So when this fails, just two things, and I'll get into a case study of mine, but you know, this is uh, two of the Kardashians that I think are probably like two of the first people to do this. But on the left, he copied and pasted exactly what to say at 4 p.m. At 4 p.m., write this blank. 
So if you're working with someone and you're doing takeovers, make sure that your team retains responsibility of, you know, having the last view of the content that you're able to review. So even though it might be live, make sure you're having some kind of review process before something goes up so your brand doesn't look bad. And then Kim Kardashian, if you're in a regulated field, um, making sure that you have any disclosures or any regulatory needs met before you go ahead and post. So whatever industry you're in, make sure you're adhering to the right rules for this. So I wanna just talk about one of the case studies I did when I was at CFA Institute and I oversaw the global social media team there. Um, so we actually set up in the middle of a financial services conference, um, a social media lounge. And this is, I come from an event marketing background. So we were doing social media lounges back in 2008 when Twitter was brand new and doing influencer marketing before it was actually a field and named and so I said, let's do this again. You know, I've just taken over the team and I wanted to really meet the people that we were talking to. So we brought in a social media powered vending machine. So you would tweet, it would dispense out a prize. We have the metrics that you can see there behind. So we had people coming in talking to our team about their content habits. Um, and we actually set up influencers that would come in and we did a whole panel about social media within financial services. They were able to do blog posts as part of the agreement with working with us. We did Twitter chats, we did Facebook lives. So we did a lot of promotion, which drove our hashtag and visibility of the event um, and enabled my team to kind of get some additional views. Uh, to, you know, you could do a Twitter, Twitter chat, you could do a Facebook live chat with an influencer at an event, you could do a takeover of what their experience looks like. So tons and tons of different ideas. But again, people are really incentivized to come in and share content and work with you. So my last couple of things, I just wanna share a couple of ideas. If you're looking for influencers, look at hashtags, look at keywords, definitely look through social media. You can set up Google alerts for whatever, you know, however niche you are. I think influencer marketing conferences or industry events is really good. Um, so a couple more slides, just mention them. Um, it's so simple, but tagging somebody in a post on LinkedIn or on Twitter, just tagging them is really helpful. Um, you know, do that research, see who they are, understand what they're doing, what they're talking about, maybe talk to them about co-branded content, and then let them know that you're using them, that you respect them, that you're tagging them, you're mentioning them, you're in their feed, uh, and hopefully take that offline to work with them. The other thing is ask them to contribute to your blog. If you have a post as your brand and you want to do this within B2B, you know, it's easy content. Someone else is writing it. It builds your credibility. If they're coming in and working with you, you're doing something right. And hopefully the goal is that they'll take it and they'll use it within their audience. And it's a really nice way for you to give your brand a lift and reach a whole new audience. And then I love this. I do this a lot where someone will send me three little questions and I will respond and they'll put it into an article. I think interviewing the expert, quote unquote, is a really nice way to get content or doing even a video, you know, something like this, a webinar, a video session on topic. It's a really nice way to invite an influencer within your brand to work with you. Um, it's just much easier than having to start and do it all over again. So thank you so much and questions, if you have any. Thanks, Marissa. Thank you for the presentation. We'll start with the questions that we have here, a lot of them. Uh, so the first question we have is, what's your take on TikTok influencers? Is it worth investing in TikTok influencers? Anyway, it's banned in uh, India, but yeah, relevant to the other countries. I think it's really fun. Um, it depends on your brand and what you're trying to achieve. I mean, TikTok is so new, and I think about what I thought about Instagram when it launched and what it looked like. So I think TikTok is here. It's only going to be elevating, and we'll see how it all plays 
plays out, but it could be worth investing in at this early stage. Um, definitely not against it, but it depends on what your brand is and make sure it aligns to your message. Right. So the next one we have is how do you evaluate B2B marketing influencer, which is, yeah, I think a very interesting one. Yeah, so I gave a couple of metrics within the presentation, but definitely, you know, setting goals before you get started and making sure that you're very clear. Is it a paid program? Is it an organic program? Hmm. Um, how are you measuring the reach of what you're going to do? Is it through shares? Is it, are you putting a tracking code that you're going to go into Google Analytics and see what the reach looks like? Um, definitely audience engagement has to be a metric. Is it reaching the right people? Does it resonate with the right audience? Um, right. You know, for many of us, leads are really important. So we want to make sure that we're tracking leads and hopefully getting more visibility, more names in. And absolutely, I think, you know, people don't talk about this a lot, but boosting SEO. So, you know, think about organic search. If we're doing these programs and a correlation of organic search rises, people are coming to our website. They're looking for us. They're looking at the keywords. Are we seeing all these things? And then, of course, the easiest one is traffic and sentiment. I mean, are people reacting? Is traffic elevated? Are people negative or positive? Is it aligned? Um, so tons of different metrics, but again, if you're putting money behind it, it's totally, I'd say different than if you're doing an organic campaign. All right. Uh, so the next one that we have is how COVID-19 changed B2B influencer marketing. Is it for good or for bad? I think 100% for good. Um, I think in the worst time of many, you know, for many of us have been through, it's, it's been amazing to me what brands have done in such a short amount of time and how they've picked up influencers and how everyone has come together. Um, I think it's more relatable now. I think influencers are probably easier to reach. Everyone's home. Nobody's traveling. We're very accessible. So whether it's popping on a video or doing co-branded content in a different format than traditional influencer marketing, people are more reachable, I think. Right. Um, I think about Pampers, like the diaper brand here in the U.S., they did this really great ad where it's a woman that was born during the last pandemic and, you know, in the beginning of the century, and now she's giving advice to mothers who are having babies at this time. And it's just this beautiful campaign that they launched that was paid influencer. And they just did such a great job touching that human element. So I think if you can elevate your brand during COVID, by getting an influencer that really resonates or someone that's really embedded in your brand already, it's a really good time to right. get started. Right. The next one that we have is, uh, what are the things to keep an eye on while growing your business exponentially with influencer marketing? Yeah, so I keep getting back to this, but metrics. I mean, if you're gonna go in and ask for budget, whether it's paid um, promotion of user-generated content coming from an organic campaign, um, making sure you know if you're going for that micro influencer that you're paying or it's a macro influencer or an employee um, making sure that you have clear expectations in terms of growing your business so what do you hope to achieve so having a strategy like everything else we do in marketing um, and just you know having fun i think influencer marketing is really it's really easy to get started it's hard to measure perhaps or it's you know could be an investment but i also think it's a really good opportunity for brands to kind of humanize themselves and break the messaging cycle of what they might have done in the past. So I think it's in terms of growing business, it's all positive at this point. Right. So next question that we have is what are the new channels a B2B influencer can explore? Where, uh, like YouTube, Instagram, LinkedIn are getting saturated. Hmm. No kidding. Um, 
TikTok, which flew right off your mouth as you came on um, with questions. So TikTok, definitely look at, have some fun with. Mm. Um, I think LinkedIn, with the new video that they're releasing where you can, you know, submit your information to be a video influencer. There's a stat that video is going to represent all 80% of all overall traffic in 2021. Right. So anything that's video and easy, like instead of me saying, hey, do you mind answering these five questions and I need this piece of content by tomorrow, let's mm. hop on a five minute video, let's edit it down and let's go from there. So I still think LinkedIn is a huge opportunity for influencer marketing that hasn't really been tapped. Right. Um, so I think that's going to be a big channel for 2021. Got it, got it. So next one we have is how can influencer driven brands move to mainstream smoothly? It's a good question. I mean, I think it's up to the brand to take what they're doing and leverage in, you know, whatever user generated content that the brand might be pushing out, sorry, whatever influencer content, whatever user generated content and mirroring that together with a really positive message um, into their content calendars. I think to transition, you need to have the right flow of content. So you need to have a little bit of everything, but it has to be authentic. It has to be right to the point. It has to be driven to the mission of your company. Right, right. Uh, so the next question we have is from Mark. He asks, any tip for handling an influencer and negotiating with them for optimal usage of the talents? Yeah, I mean, I think the more, you know, if you get into asking people to do things, it's a lot harder than delivering them a full scale here are all the pieces of content that we're going to make this video or we're going to make this fantastic ad. Here are the pieces of content that you can tease. Here are some images. Here's copy that you can push out. I think the simpler that we can make people's jobs as marketers, the better. Um, you know, deliver all of the content, set the expectations, check in with them and see what you can do to help elevate what they're already doing because they're vested in their in. So it's in their best interest as an influencer to participate with your brand. Right. So the next question that we have, uh, Marissa, is uh, how effective are LinkedIn influencers? What are the platforms would you recommend apart from LinkedIn for B2B influencers? One, you said obviously TikTok, anything else that you would come to in mind? I love, I love Twitter. I mean, I am probably one of the biggest fans of Twitter. It's just my favorite place because it's so real time. Mm. Um, you know, there's a lot of Twitter chats that used to happen. And I think brands should still be taking advantage of this, putting out questions, making it conversational. Mm. Um, I think LinkedIn kind of was the first to market with quote unquote, what influencers look like with right. thought leadership. So right. they've kind of elevated now with their video, it's changing a lot. So you know, I don't discount Facebook either from mm. influencer marketing or even as part of the marketing cycle. I mean, I've been shocked at how many companies I've worked at where Facebook is the largest driver, whether that's a paid ad folded in. Um, but I don't discount Facebook either from this whole conversation. Mm -hmm. Right. So next one is pretty interesting one, actually. How do you negotiate compensation with influencers? Are barter collaborations still a thing for micro influencers? Um, yes, quite a bit. Um, I've done campaigns this year where we've paid influencers as part of a launch to, we, we've mirrored paid with something else, how to negotiate. Um, it depends on your industry again. Finance, when I worked in finance, was very highly regulated and very different than probably what many people are doing. Um, hopefully you have a good lawyer that can review a contract. Um, you want to make sure that you're staying, you know, regulated as much as you can. Um, I, I, I don't, I think paid 
influencer programs really do work. I just think it has to be very upfront and make it that it's not just so it's not transparent. It's not somebody posting one ad and that's it. You want somebody that really believes in your brand and can do one more than just one post. So I think if you're negotiating, go big or go home, you know, can't hurt. The next one that we have is uh, what tools do you use to check if an influencer has a, has fake followers, bots or not? Oh, interesting. Um, I don't even know how you would do that. There are tools that you can go on and see like how many people are real or fake, but if that's your baseline for starting an influencer campaign, then I think again, it's like you should really probably not even start. Yeah. It's all about what people do, not about how many followers that they have. So again, it's the right person that's coming and partnering your brand and what they're making their audience do. So if you're able to measure it based off of follower size, I think it's going to be much, much less positive than if you're able to say, you know, this person drove 15 clicks to my website and they mm. posted and they interacted. I mean, that's more of a win than anything else. So, you right. know, I caution against zeroing in only on followers when you think about influencer marketing. So next one that we have is I probably you'll take this as the last question. Is data driven personalization dehumanizing B2B influencer marketing? Can you just say that one more time? I'm sorry. Yeah. So is data driven personalization dehumanizing B2B influencer marketing? I don't think so. I think if anything it makes it much better. Um, I think the more that you can understand, you know, if you're a brand and you're coming in, you're able to zero in and leverage different softwares for influencer marketing to find the right people. You want to do a comb through of who you might be using. And I think the more insights and data that we have in day-to-day life, the better it can possibly be for any campaign we're taking on. Incorporating influencer marketing is just another one. Yeah. Thank you, Marissa. I think uh, we will... A halt at this question. Thank you so much for joining us for the session. Perfect. Thanks. Thank you. Take care. Hey, thank you for watching the recording. Do check us out at Amber's B2B Binge for more such killer content. Also, don't forget to go to www.amplis.com and book your free demo for Amplis Enterprise version to rank your next customer.